0: You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family.
1: This week's episode is part of a four-part series for our Mental Health Awareness Month taking place in February, which will provide information on the many ways horses can help us heal. In this week's episode, touched by a horse owner, Melissa Pierce takes the reins to talk a little bit more about horses and their healing abilities. Melissa is a teacher, author, psychotherapist, and a pioneer in the field of human horse healing. Over the last three decades, she has helped and coached others in her private psychotherapy practice and partnership with horses. This partnership with horses led her to create the equine gestalt coaching method. This week's episode is brought to you by Touched by a Horse. Melissa Pierce developed the equine gestalt so there are two gestaltists present with the client, one human and one equine. Together, they provide a therapeutic approach to deep process emotional healing through the experiential nature of Gestalt Work. Contrary to talk therapy, Gestalt Work and its sister modality, equine facilitation, offer some of the most efficient needs of human growth and personal development. Touched by a Horse offers two comprehensive programs where you can start your career with horses in the exciting field of horse and human healing. Our Equine facilitator Program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business hosting group experiences with horses, specializing in work with business, clubs, and families. The Equine Gestaltist Program prepares you to open your own private gestalt practice in partnership with horses for deep process and trauma recovery. All of the programs include the rich curriculum of both online and in-person classes, business growth training, and a supportive community of herd members to collaborate with and learn from. Visit TouchedByAhorse.com to learn more about which program is right for you and your healing herd. Now, please enjoy this four part series on horses and mental health.
0: Hi, everyone, it's Melissa, and I'm so glad to be back with you again. In part one, we talked about what is mental health exactly and talked about it from a Gestalt perspective which is a German word for flowing into full form, the full form of you. And carrying awareness is what leads to mental, emotional, physical, even spiritual health. So we're looking at mental health right now, and we looked last week at introjects and kind of what you do with some of those things that you may have experienced being thrown at you before and you needed to overcome in this life. You know, I've been a horsewoman since I was 10 years old, and I've had hundreds of horses in my care during my life. I've partnered with them in very traditional ways, but I've also been one of the earliest pioneers in working with them to emotionally heal humans. For me, horses are natural gestaltists, right? They hold no judgments, as we talked about last week. They live in the present moment, which when we have a depression or a sad thought, it's usually because we're reflecting on something that's already happened. And when we have anxiety, it's because we're working ourselves up about something that may happen in the future. Horses stay right here with us in the present moment, And they're keenly aware and expressive of their own what we call somatic energy fields and are highly self-aware of who they are. So they show up honestly and they interact with each other or a person in a very, uh, very honest way. And so all of that, they're seeking our authenticity. They're seeking our congruence, which we'll talk about in another episode, they're seeking exactly where we are in that moment in time. And I I love that about them. I think it's why so many of us can't quite put in words what the magic is of horses, but so much of the time, if we drop out of the need to consistently relate with them in a training format and start relating to them, being to being, that we learn a great deal about ourselves and who we are. You know, if somebody asked you to become their friend, and you just met them and they decided they would want to be friends with you. And so after a little while, you learn that while you like them, That everything is done when they want to do it. They choose the time, the place, how long they're with you, what the two of you do when you're together, uh, whether you're doing it right or wrong, good or bad. They do all of it with a focus that you need to get better. (laughs) You need to learn. You need to listen better then I'm not sure how tight that friendship would become. You might uh, be willing to accept it and go along with it, but would you really call it a bond or a friendship? Probably not. And too many times uh, when I have 75 boarders at my boarding farm, I see that. And when I'm at the horse shows, I see that where the people have forgotten that this is a feeling being that you're with and therefore they rarely show up, if ever, to say, hey, it's not always about my agenda, my timeline, the length of time, what we do, how we do it, and it's not always about making you do it better, that I want to have a more reciprocal relationship with you. So it's a pretty easy fix. Horses are incredibly gracious to us and our way of being between our ears. One is to say that every so often, I'm going to say maybe one in five times that you're around your horse that you're not conscious of how much time you're going to be out there, but more you're going to stay five minutes or an hour, whatever it turns out to be, as long as you can stay in that present moment with them and truly be with that animal. Not grooming, not lunging, not riding, not anything. But instead, you know what they're doing? If they have a chance to go out and hang out in the sunshine, or they have a chance to explore a pasture, or roll in the dirt, they're right here, right now. So if you have a chance to go out and be with your horse in a setting where it's safe, but in a setting to say, I am going to feel the earth under my human feet, I'm gonna feel the wind and the temperature on my skin, I'm going to pay attention to my heartbeat. I'm going to pay attention to the trees and the world around me. I'm going to pay attention to you, your tail moving back and forth. When you walk a certain direction, I may decide to walk slowly along with you. And the truth is they are slow animals. They are not moving at the pace that our brain demands that we move. And our own mental health does suffer from the expediency which we feel we have to get everything done. Whether it's getting through traffic as quickly as we can or getting through the grocery store as quickly as we can. We push and push and push and push and push all the time. Your horse, whether he's living in a box stall and comes out to be ridden. Or he's living in a pasture and hanging out in nature. Either way, when people aren't around, they're breathing, napping, paying attention to the world around them. They can feel the tiniest little fly land on their back. They know their body. They breathe deeply in and out. And they move slowly. Their mind moves slowly. They're always ready to defend themselves. It's not like they're defenseless in that way. But, if they feel safe, they're moving with a flow and a fluidity that is very gentle and kind. If you go out one in five times and you say, "I'm going to deliberately purposefully slow my mind down, slow my heartbeat down, slow my taskiness down right? It's probably not a word, but my need to task my time with the horse instead. I'm not here to accomplish anything. I'm here to be. I'm not here to train my horse. I'm not here to interact with my horse. I'm not here to do any of that. I'm here sharing space and I'm here sharing time and I'm here sharing my heart and I'm going to slow everything down to be aware of my body and who I am and who this beautiful being is. When we do that, the horse doesn't always trust it right away because if you don't have a habit of being in mindfulness around your horse of occasionally stopping yourself, taking those deep breaths and dropping all the to-do lists down, if that's not how you've been with them, it takes a few times for them to say, oh, I didn't know you had the ability to be in the world. I thought you were always accomplishing something, always had a to-do list and a watch and all of that. So one way to increase that mental health and to be able to be more like them is move into that mindfulness. Go out and stretch. Be aware of your feet upon Mother Earth. Be aware of the breeze. And be aware of your heart. And be aware of their eyes. And be aware of their walk. Walk. Be aware of how their teeth move. All of that. Take them in in that very, very, very different way. Well, it brings me to another piece to share with you about mental health and something perhaps this week you want to think about. And that is we often speak and the human mind thinks in what is called a metaphor, And in Gestalt, a metaphor is a picture, often a verbal picture, or a little miniature movie clip that theatrically expresses how you're feeling or how you're seeing a given situation. It's symbolic, right? Symbolic information. And it's a result as a gift from your subconscious. You know, that's where dreams come from. They come from our subconscious trying to get through to us some larger meaning, deeper meaning, or a point that your subconscious is trying to get through to you. And metaphors are the same way. Now, we use them all the time. If you're really tired, you might say, oh my gosh, I've just run out of gas. Or you've eaten too much. I feel stuffed right? We use them all the time in our vernacular. But purposefully being aware of the metaphors that we hold can be a big part of mental health. This symbolic information that's this result of our subconscious creating kind of a pathway to deeper understanding of ourselves. So in Gestalt, we pay attention to metaphors. We pay attention to what they are, to how we're using them, when we're using them, And being able to bring some additional self-awareness because of them. So one that I could challenge you with is how would you answer this? Life is. What's your metaphor for life? Life itself. Life is dot, dot, dot. Would you say life is a game? With rules and win and lose? Would you say life is a school? We're here to learn lessons. Would you say life is a nightmare because it's struggle after struggle? Would you say life itself is a struggle, that we're here to pay attention to all the struggle of life? Or in fact, would you say life is a gift? Now, how does a person in their mental, emotional health handle things differently If life is a game, if life is a struggle, or if life is a gift. So if it's a game, you might be preparing. You might be looking at the challenges in life. You might be wondering if you're winning or losing. You might measure your life by, I'm winning or losing. And if life is a game, most likely you're comparing yourself to others. So if you're showing your horse in a class... You might be a person who says, I am less than or more than other people that you're showing against based on how the judges see it in any moment in time. Or you might be a person who says, life is a game, but I'm competing against myself. So I'm seeing if I'm better this time in the show ring than I was the last time. If my equine partner and I are more in sync in this show time than we were in the last show time. Is that where you go? Or do you go to, I need to beat Susie and Mary in order to feel that I'm doing better? So how do you hold this precious thing we call life? If you hold it as a series of struggles, and there are people in the world that see it that way, then what we focus on expands and you're focusing on the struggles and you're focusing on the challenges and you're focusing on how hard things are and how difficult they are and why things don't work out for you and all of that, that affects your mental health, doesn't it? That metaphor. How about life is a gift? If you hold that your very life is a gift, maybe you've been through cancer treatment and you're now healthy. Maybe like myself, I lost my daughter 10 years ago. And trust me, life is a gift. We never ever know when our time is up. If we hold it as this precious experience and this gift, do you think we move through it differently? Do we move through our day saying, how blessed am I to have this beautiful being in my world that I'm allowed to get to know and that I care for and that cares for me My horse is a gift, right? Are horses for you? My horses are. Are they a tool? Are they a friend? Are they a means of transportation? Are they a competitive edge? What are they to you? What are horses to you? Horses are to me, myself. Horses are gifts to me. They are healers in my world. They are my most trusted confidants. They are my highest integrity friends. So listening to that language of metaphor, like I say, we say it all the time. We say a lot of metaphors. And paying attention to that is one way to do it, gaining more awareness right, around that. But how are you using these metaphors to do it? Another way to look at our mental health around horses, many people board their horses in places with other people that ride together, which can be a lot of fun. I have owned three very large boarding facilities, one in Arizona, 75 boarders. There, most of the time, we all had a lot of fun. We brought the Sunday paper. used to be a big, thick newspaper. Down on Sunday mornings, pots of coffee, some donuts. We all had the morning greeting together and then uh, talked about our blessings, saddled up, went for a nice trail ride, worked our horses out, gave them all baths. It was a great communal day in the community. And other times, because people are people, there were people that didn't get along or that weren't happy about something. There's a word in vocabulary called commiseration. And commiseration means one person isn't happy about something and they're verbal about it. And in order to be a good friend or in order to remain with them or in order to feel part of the discussion or a part of the leaning, we will commiserate. So one person says, Oh, I just think my horse is getting too old to do this performance stuff anymore and not very happy with him anymore. And if you're the person that says, Yeah, mine's getting older too and I don't know what to do about it. If you commiserate, you join them in their misery, then it becomes two unhappy people, which can spread to more unhappy people, right? Instead of asking yourself a better and healthier question, which might be, How can I be grateful for this being that has been my partner and move them to their next best opportunity for them while finding a partner that better suits me now? Asking better questions. How can I make this situation one where... My horse gets a new best chapter, and I get a new best chapter, and it's a win-win for all of us, right? So that commiseration can really be a slippery slope for people, for sure, as well as being collusive, in the other word for today. So collusive is when Mary is needing to set a boundary with Margie, And Mary's unhappy with Margie, something Margie's doing, something she's irritating her with at the barn. And instead of Margie going directly to Mary and saying, hey, could we take a little walk for a second and have a talk, I want to tell you my truth about where I am with this behavior and wondering if we could openly talk about it and see if there's a way to change how we're both relating to this. Instead of being able to do that, Mary doesn't have a chutzpah. She doesn't have it in her to do that. So Mary takes it to Susie and talks about Margie You know, Margie parks like she does, and I don't like where she parks her car, and it's really hard for me to get my tack in and out of my trunk when I'm trying to do that, and she just irritates the snot out of me, that kind of stuff. That's collusion. That's trying to get somebody on your bandwagon to be mad at somebody else. And sadly, (laughs) as people, we did that in junior high. We hopefully learned that lesson in junior high to stop doing that. But not everybody does. At a boarding barn, that can be happening. And instead, for Susie to not make her friend Mary wrong, but to say, Mary, I really support you in going directly to Margie and speaking to her about this. She may not realize she's parking that way. And so I support you in doing that. Rather than Susie saying, oh, I know, you know, Bill parks really sideways too and takes up two spaces. Rather than joining into the misery, mental health is about saying, I know how I feel about something. And I need to go directly to the person who can, can change it or can hear me or can see. And Margie might say, well, I had a hip replacement, and so I know I've been parking a little close because when I first get out of the car, to be honest, I feel a little wobbly, but I'm going to be more respectful about that. Mary, thanks for coming to me with that. And Mary says, well, I didn't know you had a hip replacement. And if that's bothering you, maybe we could work on that together. You know, there's a lot of misunderstandings in the world where we make stuff up about people, and we make stuff up from a not very healthy place. So I would say being in kindness, going directly to somebody who it involves, not to a third party, can just clean it all up. Not being collusive, not being commiserative, not moving into that, and paying attention to the metaphors we're using in our brain and how we're holding and looking at life all the way around. Yep, we're going to talk about self-talk next time, and I hope this is helpful for you. Let me give you one thing to go out with your horse to do today. I promised uh, Horse and Rider I would do that at the end of each podcast, and I love doing it. Today, I would love, or the next time you're out with your horse, love to have you raise your consciousness around your breathing. You don't have to do it the whole time you're with your horse, so don't worry about that. But when you first come into contact with your horse, whether you've already got them on a halter and lead, you need to go somewhere more private, or you step into their stall, whatever your personal situation is, if you will breathe in to the count of 10, hold for 5, and out for 15. So you're going to breathe in, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Nice big full breath. Hold for five and out. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Breathe out as if you're breathing out more than you're breathing in. Do three to five breaths like that. Conscious of your body, conscious of your heart, Conscious of filling that bottom third of your lungs. See them like balloons. You're expanding them, not in the shallow breathing, but in big, deep, deep breaths. Now, a lot of horses, the first to the fourth time you do this, when you square off with them, open your heart, hold a happy thought, I am so blessed to have this beautiful animal in my life, and breathe in to 10 Hold for five out to 15. When we do that, expanding our lungs like that, pay attention because most horses will observe you doing that and they too will take a big breath and let it out. So it's kind of fun. That's their way of honoring, like, oh my gosh, you are here, you are present, your mind is relaxed you're home to me, you've just picked up the phone, I feel good with you because you're in your body learning to hear, your heart and everything as you're feeling. Do you know that takes us maybe 90 seconds to do? So take that first 90 seconds with your horse. You can do it again when you get on their back. They love that. When you first get on their back, you place those feet in those stirrups and before walking off or going anywhere, you take three big cleansing breaths like that and you will see your horse relax his neck, relax his ears, relax every He's now fully with you. You're in the present moment. What would you like to do next? Really challenging time is right when you're at the in-gate and you're the next one on call to go perform, but it will enhance your performance to do that. Thank you for joining me this week on the ride, and I hope that your mental health becomes happier and more clear as we go through the series. Thank you so much. Bye.
1: Visit touchedbyahorse.com to learn more about which program is right for you and your healing herd. Thank you for tuning in to the Rides Winning Insights Mini podcast. We hope you enjoyed this Mini Please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow Horse and Rider on social media and at HorseandRider.com to see all the cool things that we're up to. If you have any comments or questions, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at We love to hear from you guys. And if you love what you're listening to, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes.